Good morning. We want to welcome you to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island on this second Sunday of Advent. It's a joy to have all of you with us. Before we begin worship, I have a few announcements. We love to welcome visitors, especially first-time visitors. If you are a first-time visitor with us today, would you please raise your hand up high? Because the ushers have a small gift to give to you to recognize your attendance with us today. Ms. Manis is running around to get everybody. We're glad you're with us. We hope you'll come back and visit with us often. Um, should you need it, there's a restroom in the back corner underneath the stairwell. There are friendship registers in each pew. If you'll please sign and let us know that you were joining us today, we would appreciate it. We want to thank the Presbyterian women for our lovely decorations in the church and in the fellowship hall. And if you haven't been to the fellowship hall, please go because they've done a marvelous job. Each window in the fellowship hall has a different crash or manger scene and they are all beautiful. So Jane Roten was, is chairman of the Flowers for Presbyterian Women and we are so thankful and grateful for all these wonderful decorations. If you haven't had your photo taken for the, um, for our, oh gosh, thank you, directory, please grab Bess Kellett and have her take your photo at the end of the service today. Uh, please make sure you pick up your Advent devotion. There are a few out on the porch. Uh, we've given out a lot, but if you don't get a physical book, let us know, and, and I can probably get a few more printed, or we will have them online. And if you're not reading it, please read it. It's, it's amazing this year. The Christian Education will meet, Committee will meet in the Ministry Center today immediately after worship. The Brunch Bunch is going to Waterfront for brunch after today's service, and brunch will meet there, uh, the Brunch Bunch will meet there at 11.45 a.m. All of the Sunday School classes will celebrate the season next Friday, this Friday at 6 p.m. at the home of Betty Bryant. Bring an appetizer and join the fun. The Fellowship Committee is planning a special family night supper for the 14th of December. If you didn't get an invitation, if you'll raise your hand, I've got an usher in the back and she can give to you an invitation because on the back, we want you to write the recipe of the dish that you'll bring to share or another one of your favorite Christmas recipes. And we're going to compile those um, and then perhaps we'll have a surprise for you later on. There are a lot of upcoming dates for special activities. Please check your flash email for more information on these and other upcoming events. Now we will begin our worship with the prelude from the Chime Choir.
Please stand and join me in the call to worship, which you'll find printed in your bulletin. A shoot shall come forth from the stump of Jesse. Wisdom guides his feet. Faithfulness is the mantle upon his shoulders. A shoot has come forth from the stump of Jesse. Please be seated. May we bow together for our opening prayer. Mighty God, in this season of Advent, may your righteousness flourish and may your peace abound, that none shall hurt or destroy on all your holy mountain. Grant us your same spirit of wisdom and understanding that we may live free of fear and in harmony with one another through the peace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today and each Sunday during Advent, we'll sing a verse of Come, child of light, before the lighting of our Advent candle. The choir will sing it for us the first time through, then we'll join our voices together. Let us remain seated as we hear and then sing, Come, child of light. Over a hundred people from the ages of two to 80 years old were asked the question, what are you afraid of? From the voices of different generations, hear their answers. Not being enough, not making enough of a difference. Feeling to do what I should. 
falling down and being made fun of. That we will forget we belong to one another. And that one day I might forget everything. Violence that impacts our schools and our communities, and particularly my child. Spy spiders. Losing my abilities and not having someone to take care of me. Losing someone I love or ending up alone. Nightmares. Stopping short of following God all the way. Today we light the candle of peace because we so desperately need God's peace in the midst of all that we fear. May this light be a reminder that Christ is coming. God was, God was with generations before God is with us today. And God will be with us tomorrow, even now. God is on the way. Amen. Fear can be a good thing. It can help us be attentive when driving down the highway. It can alert us to possible accidents. It can motivate us even to do our best. However, fear can also be harmful. For so many of us, fear of the other, fear of failure, or fear of the unknown has led us to make sinful choices in our lives, choices such as building up walls around ourselves. Today in confession, we ask for mercy and pray for guidance. As we confess, we come before an entirely merciful and loving God who says to us, child, do not be afraid. Let us join our voices in prayer. Patient God, you know just how often we make decisions from a place of fear rather than love. You know just how often we allow fear to take the place of logic, fanning unhealthy fires in our lives. You know just how often we tuck your words, do not be afraid, on dusty shelves, and in the back of closets, stubbornly holding on to our own point of view. Forgive us for giving fear the microphone. Silence the voices of scarcity, shame, and rejection, which spark and feed so much of our fear to recenter us in love. With hope we pray. Amen. May we offer to God our silent prayers. Amen.
May we stand for the words of assurance. Family of faith, even when we forget God's word, God does not forget us. Even when we lose our way, God does not lose us. Even when we fall short or make mistakes, God forgives and holds on to us. We are known, forgiven, and loved. Before you're um, seated, I need to ask for your forgiveness for leaving out the opening hymn. So before you're seated, let's see if our music director will play that for us, and we'll go back and sing together to the glory of God. Here I am.
Please be seated. Let's bow for the prayer of illumination. Holy God, whether it's through angels or music, friendships or sermons, study or nature, when you speak, we long to hear it. In a world as chaotic and broken as ours, we could use your words of hope and healing. With gratitude, we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading today is from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out from his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or, deci or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to invite any children to come forward this morning. On, Grace. You want to take a seat? I was wondering, have you ever, oh, thank you so much. That's beautiful, Grace. Um, have you ever seen what is left when you cut a tree down? What's left if you cut a tree down? A stump. That's right. Have you ever seen from a tree regrow? and become a tree again? Have you ever seen that? I've never seen that. Because when you cut a tree down all the way to a stump, it, it's gone. That's right. It's pretty much, yeah, it's just, it's done, right? So Miss Lou just read scripture from Isaiah, and we're reading through Isaiah's prophecy as we wait in this season of Advent. And the first thing that she read, it says, a shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse. What's a shoot? Congregation, what's a shoot? A, 
a little branch, a little baby tree, new growth. Yeah, so Isaiah starts off his prophecy today by saying that something that's not expected, something that we pretty much think is impossible, well, God's going to do that. God's going to do that very thing. He's going to take that stump that we cut that tree down so that it's not growing anymore, and from that stump is going to be a baby tree. God created this earth, so God can do anything God wills, right? You want to go up to the pulpit for me? Finish, finish the sermon? <laughs> No, that's exactly right. And that's what we're waiting for in Advent. We're waiting that God is going to do this whole new thing and make something possible that we didn't even believe was possible. You see, because when we read at the end of this, um, or where was it? Uh, in this, this prophecy, Isaiah says that all of these good things that are going to happen in our world, guess who's going to lead them? Guess who's going to be in charge of them? God, and God in the form of a little child, the baby Jesus that we're waiting for this Advent. From that stump of Jesse, which happens to be David's grand, uh, grandfather, comes a new growth, a new thing, something God is doing, and it's going to be amazing. So I think that's worth waiting for this Advent, don't you? Is that worth waiting for, Grace? It is? Okay. Well, let's have a prayer together this morning, and let's ask God to be with us once again as we continue to wait for this new wonderful thing. Let us pray. God, we are so grateful for the message that you have sent us today through your prophet Isaiah, and he shares with us a beautiful image of what it will be when you come into the world and specifically when you come into our hearts. So help us to wait patiently, but also help us to follow you closely as we await your birth. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, thank you. You can return to your pews.
Here again, a reading from the book that we love, from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you alone, who is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I can tell you this story because Ross isn't here today. So I was helping him clean out his room. Ross is very much a teenager these days. And we were going through his toys and items that he's decided that he's outgrown. So in this process, we unearthed Ninites. Now, Ninites is actually two squares of a silky material. They were given to him by a church member when I was in Beaufort when he was born. And they rarely, when he was little, and they were certainly always there for Ninite time, soothing and comforting him so that he would fall asleep. How many of you all have children or grandchildren that have a security blanket or a stuffed animal or some item? Maybe even you remember your own or still have your own. Many children, many children latch on to items like this. We encourage it. We accept it as a natural part of growing up, but they should have something that might ease them, that might soothe them when the lights are out or 
when they're feeling alone or especially when they are afraid. I got to thinking about it this week and I wondered that we adults are so ready and eager to provide our children with a comfort item and even expect that they might have one, we must on some level then realize that the fears they have as children, whether we share those fears or not, they are very real to them whether it's a monster under the bed or lurking in the closet or whether it's just that fear that, you know, when you leave the room, you might not come back. Those fears drive their behavior. They impact them so much so that we provide an item of comfort and that item really serves as a stand-in. And more so than not, it's a stand-in for parents, right? So that they can feel or acknowledge our presence, even when we're not there. Now, I'm sure it's not going to surprise you, but Ross was not ready to give up nine-nights. They are safely tucked into his bedside table, and none of us really want to readily give up whatever it is that makes us feel comfortable, keeps our fears at bay, even if we grow up and realize that some of those fears were probably unfounded. Today in the second week of Advent, we face the topic of fear. The yeoman's family, as they lit the Advent candle, helped us to think about some of the things that we might fear today. I wonder if some of those resonated with you. Some of these things from the youngest to the oldest, although Charlie, I think probably there are several of us that still are afraid of spiders in here. Yeah. And I bet you could add some other things to that list as well. Just as our children experience real fears that drive their behavior and impact their lives, we all face situations and settings that evoke fear. And we know that fear is a motivator. It can be channeled for positive outcome. As we were preparing for the confession, I was actually reflecting Um, I had a grandparent that died in an automobile accident, and what it has done is that every time I get into a vehicle, I have what I think is a healthy fear of what could happen, and so I take precautions. I, I mitigate as much as I can, as much as in my ability, an accident from occurring. So fear can keep us safe, and it can do other things Two, um, think about the fight or flight response. You're probably familiar with that. When faced with a physical threat, our sympathetic nerve system kicks into gear and sometimes before we even think about what we're doing, we are already in motion, either getting out of the way to avoid injury or danger or even readying ourselves to stand up to it. 
This week I was thinking of all of those brave individuals who have been victims in one of the 611 mass shootings that have occurred in the U.S. this year. 611 times where that fight or flight uh, response was surely at play. And on the news, we hear the stories of teachers that are standing up to school intruders, even using their own bodies as shields for children. We hear of victims who were able to take flight, able to get out of danger, escape through windows or hide under pews. And we know that they were afraid. Who wouldn't be? But fear can also be an immobilizer. In fact, more and more I've heard fight or flight referred to as fight, flight, or freeze. Fear can stop us in our tracks. It can keep us from doing the things or even being the people that we're called to be. We know it keeps our children from getting sleep at night, so we create for them opportunities to ease their fear through a stuffed bear or the like. And we know that that doesn't make the fear go away, per se, but it does bring comfort, and comfort allows them to continue on to go to bed. I'm sure you've picked up on Gabriel's words in scripture today. He says, do not be afraid. Now an angel has just appeared before a young teenage girl and would go on to tell her that she would have a baby who would be the savior of the world. And yet this encounter is firmly grounded in this statement, this command, do not be afraid. As our Advent devotional says for the scripture this week, these words are terribly unrealistic. Of course Mary would be afraid. Of course any of us would be afraid in that setting. But this is not the only time that we'll hear this refrain in our Christmas story. In fact, every time in Scripture an angel appears in either the Old or the New Testaments, those in the story are called to fear not. Now, there is one exception to this when an angel appears to the Lord, an angel of the Lord appears to another female, and I'll be really impressed if anyone can tell me what story that is today. Otherwise, there's a very distinct pattern in Scripture where a messenger from God appears. It evokes fear in the character of the story. The angel then comforts the person with this phrase and delivers the message from God. Now, there's a final part of this pattern, and that's the character's response. Is there fight? Think of Jacob by the river Jabbok. Is there flight? Can't help but think of Noah. 
Do they freeze and do nothing and, and not respond? Or is there a way to continue the story, either to move with or beyond this fear to continue? Do not be afraid. Fear not. These are common phrases in the Bible. In fact, there's a misconception that this command can be found 365 times in Scripture, one time for every day. You might have heard that. It just isn't true. But it can be found enough times to see that God's trying to get a point across. It appears roughly 120 times. And yes, that does make it the most repeated command in the Bible. Fear, being afraid, are not God's will for God's people. God's will, God's vision, is peace. Peace, what we read about in Isaiah's prophecy today. But just because it's not God's will for God's people doesn't mean that that fear, that being afraid, then just simply dissipates or isn't real to us, just like temptation doesn't disappear or even sin, because those two are not what God desires for us. Instead, we must journey through them or even journey with them relying both on our God-given abilities to react, but more so on recognizing that from generation to generation, God shows up right there in the midst of our fear, in the midst of our uncertainty or confusion. God shows up and whether it's through the voice of an angel or through the assurance of scripture or maybe more commonly experienced through the voice or reassurance of a friend or this community. In all of these ways, God shows up and comforts us so that we don't have to freeze, but we can move beyond the fear to be or to embody or to become what it is God really wills for us. Mary had to be beside herself. Christine Hong in the devotion this week says, people have been afraid in far less tenuous circumstances. How could Mary not have felt fear when confronted with a celestial being? How could she avoid feeling afraid after hearing the angel's message about her pregnancy? Later, Mary's son, Jesus, he also felt fear at Gethsemane when faced with betrayal and capital punishment. As she watched him suffer and die, the fear and anguish she must have felt. And yet we revere Mary not for her fight or flight or freeze, but we honor her for her response to Gabriel, right? In saying, yes. 
yes, I am terrified, but I'll go on this journey. And from generation to generation, people of faith have said, yes, despite fear, despite apprehension. From generation to generation, our ancestors have accepted the invitation to move beyond personal fear and work alongside God. The prophecy of Isaiah paints this beautiful vision of what it is that we're working for, working toward, when we say this, yes. It's a vision where righteousness and equity reign. The wolf lives with the lamb. No harm or hurt shall destroy on all the earth, and a little child shall lead the way. This is our hoped for peace. This is what we're waiting for. This is the vision that's passed down to us that we are invited to pursue in our discipleship as we make real, and we are invited to share this vision with the next generation as they join us. Last Sunday, when we introduced this theme for Advent, I challenged us to keep a few questions before us as we look at these individual stories that become part of the larger story of faith, the story that weaves us in and invites us to participate, to be a part. And today we see this story of Mary encounter fear and apprehension. And while I can be assured that we don't share in her exact experience, we do know what it's like to encounter fear. We do know what it's like to be afraid or faced with grief or pain or a situation that while the gospel might offer good news to, it's not enough to make it go away. So today, as we sit with Mary, feeling perplexed or upset, we ask again, what does she contribute to this story? And what do we learn? Mary sits and starts in fear. But what exactly is she afraid of? What exactly are you afraid of? Mary listens to Gabriel, and he tells her, do not be afraid, as he shares the annunciation with her. She questions the angel, and Gabriel points to her cousin Elizabeth as an example to prove that nothing is impossible with God. And this is when Mary replies, let it be with me. What changes Mary's mind? What convinces her to trust this message? What comforts you in the midst of fear? And what allows you to trust the presence of God? What or who are those night-nights in your life that keep you in the assurance that God is Emmanuel? that just because he left the room doesn't mean he's not coming back. 
In the prophecy today, in verse 2, Isaiah mentions the fear of the Lord, but does so in a very positive way. Fear and awe are often two sides of the same coin. As we face our fears, as we look at the world around us, we're not called to be immobilized by God's magnanimity, the magnitude that God shares in our lives. But we who love the Lord are called to fear the Lord. in such a way that what we're left with is wonder. Wonder that motivates us to love and serve. And so how do we decipher between these types of fear? Fear that is generative and fear that is destructive. As we share this story with the next generations, as we face or journey with our own fears as we reflect on Mary's uh, contribution to our faith and our life together. I want us to end with the words of the artist Carmel Begalen, who created Mary's Golden Annunciation. If you've read ahead a few days in your Advent devotional, you'll find it's on page 13. But she portrays this beautiful scene between Mary and Gabriel. And she says this, In Mary's yes, we see the transformation of a young teenage girl from fearful to determined, from simply accepting to deciding, from passivity to agency from betrothed to surrogate mother of God, an honor rarer than gold. Perhaps the most remarkable enunciation in this passage is not the messenger's revelation to Mary, but Mary's yes to the call." End quote. In the face of fear, when have you been convinced to trust God's call? Let us stand and affirm our faith in the God who calls. We believe in a God who knows our fears. We believe in a God who says, be not afraid. We believe in a God who kicks off her shoes and wades into the muck of our lives with us. We believe in a God who stitches herself into our heels and invites us to dance. We believe in a God who hymns stars into the night sky so that we can find our way home and who sends us friends with open doors so we can find our way to love. We believe in a God who finds us in our fear and does not leave us alone. Thanks be to God.
for a love like that. Amen. Please be seated. As we respond to God's word as it has come to us, let us open our hearts and give generously for the needs of the world.
Gracious God, you offer us a gift beyond price. Your son is our long-awaited savior. In gratitude for your abundant gift of grace, we commit ourselves to act justly in solidarity with the poor, and we pledge our assistance to those who are in need. May the gifts we bring before you today hasten the day when none shall hurt or destroy on all your holy mountain. Amen. Let us remain standing for our communion hymn number one, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. You may be seated. Friends, here is bread. Good news for the world declaring, let all who hunger for justice come and eat. Here is wine. Good news for all who are longing, saying, let all who thirst for righteousness come and drink. This is the table of Christ. It is for all who are lost, all who have fears, and all who are weary to come and gather. This table is where we find community, union with Christ who makes us new, who makes us whole by saying to us, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we find union with one another, messengers of hope and peace for one another as we live the Jesus way together. This morning, we're going to share in communion a little differently for us here at PCEI. The ushers will invite you to come forward if you're seated on the floor. 
and make your way to an usher standing at the head, or an elder at the head of each aisle who will have the prepackaged elements, and we invite you to pick one up and take it with you back to your pew, and then we'll enjoy in a time together in unity where we receive the bread and drink the cup together. If you're seated in the balcony, an elder will also come up and serve you in your place, or if you find yourself in your pew and would like to be served in your place, Ed is also going to be available to bring you elements right where you are. In this way, may we all receive communion together. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. Our souls magnify you, O Lord, and our spirits rejoice in you, for you are our Savior. In every generation, you have shown us your favor and blessed the poor in their need. When the time had come, you looked with favor on Mary, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, she gave birth to your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. With all generations, we call her blessed. And with her, we rejoice in your saving help. Through her, through us, and through your whole church, you have done great things by your might. And so with Mary, with saints, with angels, and with all your people on earth and in heaven, we give you thanks. Holy God, let your spirit come upon these gifts of bread and wine. And let the power of your spirit overshadow them, that they may become holy and be for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ, your Son, and Mary's Son. With this bread and this cup, we remember that your mercy endures from age to age on all who seek you. We proclaim your greatness and might and the strength of your arm as you scatter the proud and raise the lowly. Fill us and all who hunger with good things and help us to remember your saving help. For you are the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, of Mary and of Joseph, of the saints of every age and time, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom and with whom and in whom and the unity of the Holy Spirit, we worship you. Gracious and holy God. Amen. We do give thanks that on the night of his arrest, Jesus sat with his friends at the table and taking the bread, he blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to them and said, friends, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and pouring it out after supper said, this is the cup of the covenant sealed in my blood, which is shed for you and the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of me. So today, as long as we eat of this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. For indeed, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Come and be fed.
God meets us here in communion. And so together we take the bread of our Savior, Christ's body broken for us, and take and eat. This, friends, is the cup of salvation poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Let us pray. Holy God, we take a deep breath in and know that you are here. You never leave our side like a protective mother hen or the sun who circles the earth. You carry us with you. So today we bow our heads with tender spirits and ask that once more you would lean in close, hear our prayers, buoy our hearts, send your spirit rushing through us like a mighty wind. For these days, God, we have much to fear. We fear the return of some disease or variant that would again shut the world down. We fear the rising tide of violence in the world. We fear global warming. We fear that our grandchildren would even have trees to climb. We look at our own lives and we are afraid that we aren't making much of a difference or that we might be forgotten at the end of the day. We fear rejection. We fear grief. We fear not being enough. Holy God, the muck of our lives is deep. And at times it feels like we're swimming in it. And so we come to you today because you are a God who says, do not fear. So often in scripture that you must want us to believe it. You are a God who has inserted yourself into the corners of our lives, refusing to let us go and refusing to leave us alone. And so we rest in that. We empty our pockets of the fears that we have and we give them to you, trusting that you will hold them tenderly just as you hold us. You whisper, be not afraid. You promise to never leave our side. You call us beloved. May that be enough for today. And now with hope in our hearts, we pray the words your son taught us, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May we stand as we sing together our closing hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.